You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. Welcome in to the Sports Objective. You're watching and listening to Extra Innings as we're talking East Carolina Pirate Baseball uh, for the next 45 minutes or so. And right now, Kyle and I are very excited to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Pirates, Scott Rogers. Scooter, welcome back. Thank you, Bubba. Excited to join once again. Absolutely. Um, Not the week the Pirates wanted by any means, but at the same time, um, there was definitely a lot of good that came out of the the two and two week, uh, winning the first game of the week, um, going up to Bowie's Creek, ten to three victory over the Camels, and then last night at a frigid Clark LeClaire Stadium, um, you know the Pirates found a way to uh, shut out the Tar Heels five to nothing, and really, really pitched and played defense well um, for the majority of the week, in my opinion. Don't you think, Scott? I do. You know, we uh, pitching has been, in my opinion, actually stellar. Other than, you know, you take out the first game against Bryant, pitching has been stellar throughout the whole season, in my opinion. Bradley Wilson came out this weekend out of nowhere on Friday night against UNC and pitched his butt off. You know, he hadn't pitched in over two years because he redshirted last season, and then his, his last appearance came before the COVID shutdown in 2020. And then last night, Carter Spivey pitched his butt off once again. Um, and it, it really shows what this pirate bullpen is capable of, and it's, I'm really excited to watch them perform as the year goes along. Absolutely, um, no doubt, and we appreciate everyone tuning in, uh, whether it's right now on YouTube, Facebook, or on Twitter, and, and obviously we're found pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, let us hear from you on social media. Uh, you can chime in on our Facebook page. Also, uh, let us hear from you on Twitter. It's at the Sports OBJ. And we're also at the Sports OBJ on TikTok, as well as at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Pirate Baseball through the first seven games. Uh, again, the Pirates are two and five, but um, I really feel like um, you know it's just a matter of time. I mean, we're going to get this thing to where where we where we want it. Um, no reason to uh, doubt Cliff Godwin and this staff. I mean, all, on the whole, but uh, it's just one of those things. I mean. The bats haven't been there thus far, but um, we've seen glimpses, and uh, we'll dive into each game. And, um, you know, it's going to be a quick turnaround, as it so often is. Um, Pirates taking on a very talented Duke team on Tuesday afternoon, and uh, we'll dive into that as well as what lies ahead with the Keith LeClaire Classic um, this weekend at Clark LeClaire Stadium. But, uh, you know, let's start off on taking a look at that game that transpired in Bowie's Creek on Tuesday. Um, the Pirates were no hit through the first four innings. And, of course, that had that had people, uh, you know, what in the world's going on? But um, then the Pirates responded uh, with a five-run fifth. And from that point on, uh, really did a lot of nice things offensively. Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, the Pirate offense, as you mentioned, really came alive in the fifth inning. But uh, another thing in that game was pitching, only allowing three runs, giving up nine hits in that game. Um, I think I think Campbell had like six hits through the first two or three innings of that game without even scoring a run. Um, and so it showed how good the Pirate defense was playing that game and how pitchers were getting out of those early jams. 
But as you mentioned, you know, that five-run fifth innings is what really broke it open for East Carolina for that win in Campbell. Yeah, some some excellent damage control by the Pirate pitchers there in those first few innings. Uh, um, to, like you say, hold, hold Campbell to just one run despite all those hits. Um, Carter Spivey, um, tremendous a week for him, and we'll dive into that more later on because he, he had two terrific appearances, but in that – um, start against Campbell. You knew he's probably going to go two innings because it was it was a, a pitch count situation on Johnny Holstaff day, if you will. And uh, Carter did surrender those four hits over those two innings of work, but he found a way to uh, to get three strikeouts and uh, and really pitched his way out of a jam or two. Yeah, he did. And you know, one guy who's also been who's looked good. He looked really good at Campbell, and also uh, this past weekend against UNC is Josh Gross. Uh, Gross dealt with a little bit of arm soreness before the year started, but uh, he has looked he's looked outstanding out of that Pirate bullpen. And another guy who has really looked good out of that Pirate bullpen this year, he's the most used pitcher for the Pirates so far this year, and that's Skylar Brooks. Um, really did not expect to see him coming out of the pen as much as he has so far this year, but he's looked really good, in my opinion, in all of his outings so far. In that Campbell game, um, Pirates, again, 10 runs on 12 hits, played error-free baseball, and uh, the defensive performance on the week, um, j- just one error. And, yes, there can be things that you certainly want to fine-tune defensively where it may not show as an error on the board. Uh, and there was and there was uh, a thing or two like that uh, in that North Carolina series. But uh, all in the whole, I, I know uh, Coach Godwin, Coach Palumbo, and staff had to – be pretty pleased with how the Pirates played defensively. They were. Um, you know, the Pirates, as you mentioned, played a good defensive series. Um, like you said, only making one error throughout the entire series. Uh, you know, that's one thing that Pirate fans, I think, were kind of iffy about beginning of the year was defense. But as the Pirates have proved, they are nothing to be worried about there defensively. That middle infield with Zach Agnos and Ryder Giles is one of the best in college baseball, in my opinion. And uh, you know, they're going to be, I think, pretty consistent as the year goes along. Nothing to worry about there with those two. In that victory over Campbell, um, Ryder Giles produced a three-hit game. And uh, you also had uh, two hits for Lane Hoover. What a big week for who. Uh, and we'll certainly uh, talk more about the week he had. And then you also had a multi-hit game, two hits for uh, C.J. Boyd. Yeah, and it was good to see, you know, Ryder get back in the hit column that game. Ryder's such a good kid, you know, he's been a part of this program for so long. And Lane Hoover goes out every single game and just competes his butt off every single game. That's what makes him so good. But C.J. Boyd going two for three, it was good to see him get a couple hits that night as well uh, for a young guy who has not played much in a Pirate uniform. And as always, I mean, of course, extra innings is presented by Next Level Training Center of Greenville, located on Wimbledon Drive. On Trent and Gaynell Britt do an excellent job. Um, it is the premier baseball and softball training facility in Eastern North Carolina, um, and you know um, they just they do a heck of a job. So you know if you've never checked it out, uh, if you're in, involved in baseball, softball, or maybe even other sports in the Greater Greenville area, you, you owe it to yourself. Uh, or, you know, your son, daughter, whatever the case may be, to, to do so, go to nextleveltc.com or you can call 252-756-NEXT and they'll be glad to answer your questions. Uh, tremendous staff there um, that Trent and Gaynell have at Next Level Training Center of Greenville. But um, 
they're back to the action. Uh, I was talking about C.J. Boyd, and then um, you also had an excellent relief outing by C.J. Mayhew against Campbell. Three innings, um, did not allow a run, one hit, and I struck out three and only issued one free pass. That was a hit batter. Yeah, C.J. did great against Campbell, and, you know, we saw last year how good C.J. can be, and he certainly showed that he's got that stuff once again this year when he was at Campbell. Moving on to the North Carolina series, um, Garrett Saylor getting the ball in that Friday role, and um, going into the series, you knew North Carolina really had a potent lineup, and we saw that uh, early on as they really jumped on Garrett and – um, produced a couple of um, pretty long home runs, and um, they were really um, clicking on all cylinders. Excuse me, there offensively uh, early in the ball game. They were, you know, coming in. You know, me and Coach O had talked about. You know, first thing we said was, look at these numbers. You know, they are one of the coming into that series. They're one of the best hitting teams in all of college baseball. You know, I can't can't remember how many guys exactly, but they had multiple guys hitting over 400 coming into that series with a lot of home runs. Um, and those guys proved it when they hit those home runs off of Garrett. And uh, they're, North Carolina's a good hitting team. They're, and really, overall, North Carolina's a very good team, um, a team that's going to be a threat in the postseason, I believe, this season. But uh, you know, they showed that they had power Friday night and uh, really got on Garrett Saylor a little bit early. And it was nothing against Garrett. You know, Garrett has been pitched well enough to win, I think, in both outings. It was just North Carolina's a good hitting team, and they jumped on him early. In, in that game one against the Tar Heels and the Pirates fell behind, I guess, five to nothing. And then you, you had the two-run bomb to center um, by Bryson Wool. Uh, so you had the spark there in the middle innings. And then the Tar Heels, an inning or two later, responded uh, with a two-spot to make to make it uh, seven to two. But then in the ninth, Scott, um, the Pirates got the tying run into the plate. Um, man, when you – you cut it to seven to four, and then you have Amac, who um, really did a lot of damage last year against the Tar Heels in Greenville. You're thinking, hey, maybe maybe this comeback is going to happen. Yeah, you know, it shows too. You know, this you know really the Cliff Gobble mindset of his teams. They never give up, never have here at East Carolina, and that showed Friday night. But uh, Bryson World's home run that was really good to see him come back and get one of an extra base hit this year, and uh, good to see him get going at the plate. But like you said too. Cam Plonch coming up in the, the top of the ninth and getting his home run. It was good to see Cam play. You know, he got the start uh, Sunday night. Or, yeah, was it Sunday night he got the start? Saturday night. Whichever game it was. I've had so many. I, had I, so believe, many he, I, believe, I believe he started um, last night as well. Yeah. At, he, was, uh, he, he was at first base last night, but I think, I think he – That's did right. He start, yeah, did he start both of those ball games? Yes, he was DH, DH Saturday and at first last night. But – uh it showed that he's got a good bat, a good young bat in this Pirate program, and uh, good to see him play in a crucial series early as two and do well. And after the game, um, Coach Godwin referenced um, the relief performances of Bradley Wilson, which you already alluded to, three innings, uh, three shutout innings at that, one hit, two strikeouts. And then you had Ben Terwilliger um, had a shutout inning of relief in which he did not allow a hit and struck out two. Um, so those were a couple of the things that I really took away uh, from those five relievers that the Pirates used in game one against the Tar Heels. And um, you know, uh, Lane Hoover, four, four for five. Um, what, what a game one against North Carolina for Lane. 
Yeah, and like you said, Bradley Wilson um, making his first appearance in almost two years after redshirting last season, and then his only pitching appearance coming, I believe, in 2020, right before the COVID shutdown. But it was good to see him come out of the bullpen, and really, he he's what really kept the Pirates in the game Friday night. Uh, if he wouldn't have had his outing, you know, it might would have got out of hand Friday. But he came in and shut the door for three innings against the Tar Heel, and then Ben Twilliger has come in in every outing and done really good for the Pirates. And he's gonna he's gonna be a weapon as we get deep in the season. That it's gonna be interesting to see how he does out of that bullpen. But I'm very excited for both of those guys to see what they can do the rest of the season. Interesting non-baseball note, guys. I don't know uh, how many people are watching us right now on Facebook Live. Uh, Facebook is experiencing uh, nationwide outages, uh, so we may just be broadcasting on YouTube uh, right now and recording this, obviously, for our audio platforms, but Facebook outage currently. Yeah, we appreciate you bringing that up, Kyle. We'll have to uh, check on that, and it will certainly be uploaded uh, to Facebook if it's not uh, – Save there um, you know, from from the live broadcast. But um, one other thing I wanted to bring up as far as game one, and really it's more about the series as a whole. Um, we allowed those five runs to the Tar Heels in the first two plus innings, but then over the last what twenty three plus innings, you only allow four runs to that that potent of a lineup, which is um, you know a reflection of what we were saying about the Pirate pitching staff. Yeah, you know, and it's really been dominant, in my opinion, all year. Um, you know, they've done – they've had great games every single game. You know, you take away that 10-run game against Bryant on opening day, and this this pitching staff has been stellar, in my opinion. You take away – you take away those three home runs on Friday's game, and it's a, you know, very close game. Pirates might come out victorious, but the pitching has, has been really good out of the pen for the Pirates this year, which is good really good to have. And it shows, too, how good Austin Knight is doing in his first year as pitching coach as well. Moving on to Saturday, um, Cooch, excellent in week one. Uh, really nice to see Cooch pitching the way he he pitched um, prior to the 2021 season. And uh, you'd heard that we had seen it in the fall as well as uh, in the spring and interest squads. And uh, sure enough, through two weeks, that has been the case. Um, Cooch on Saturday – uh, really gave the Pirates a chance, and despite um, you know the Pirates were shut out in the game, but um, you know he and Josh Groves uh, really gave East Carolina a chance all the way down to the final inning and uh, final outs of that game. Um, Cooch finished four and two thirds, two runs. Both of those runs were earned on two hits, one strikeout, and three walks. Yeah, and Cooch did amazing as always. You know he comes in. Works fast, pitches strikes, keeps hitters off balance, and that's really his key to his game. And one thing I love about his game is that he does work so fast because you see it really all the time now in baseball. You never hardly see fast-working pitchers anymore. So I, I think that's one, you know, interesting thing to Kucha's game. But, uh, you know, in terms of offense that day, you know, we had so many breaks that we could have had in that game. You know, you look at Clanch's double – in the in that game and you know it bounces perfectly off the wall right to Angel Zarate and left in right field and he throws an absolute bullet to second base to get clutch. Um you know if that if that doesn't happen, you know, you're looking at a base hit away from tying that game up, taking a lead possibly. Um, you know, they just they were right right there that entire game. And the same thing Friday night, you know, if I go back to Friday, you know, they were just, they were right there. They just couldn't quite get over that hump. 
but the pitching kept them in that game as well. Um, you know, like I said, Josh Gross has looked incredible this year after dealing with that arm soreness early. But uh, you know, just that was that was my thing from Saturday was they just couldn't couldn't quite get that one hit they needed to get back into that game. But they battled in that entire game, and like I said, it shows that this team is never ever going to give up. And we reference um, the stellar performance of Josh Groves. Three innings, um, three shutout innings, one hit, four strikeouts, and a walk. Um, but and you mentioned Zarate, um, Angel Zarate, um, native of thinking sort of maybe Reedsville or somewhere like that. Uh, and, but he's a North Carolina product, and uh, and he came through for the Tar Heels there in the fifth inning, uh, two outs, and produced a, a two-run double that uh, were the only runs of the ball game. Yep, and, you know, Zerati had a great weekend the whole weekend, I think. Um, you know, he, it, feels, it feels like some of these names in this North Carolina lineup have been there forever. Um, you know, we were talking to Dave Nathan, the play-by-play voice for North Carolina, Sunday at Clark Clare, and one of the guys who pitched, we saw a lot this weekend, Caden O'Brien. He said that Caden has been at North Carolina. He was a freshman on their 2018 College World Series team. So you think, gosh, that's six years, I believe, he's been at North Carolina. And it shows, you know, how deep they are. And they've got a lot of older guys on that roster that have got a ton of experience. Moving on to um, the series finale. And that was, of course, last night at a frigid Clark LeClaire Stadium. Temperatures were in the low 40s. Um, Pirates. You know, backs against the wall, uh, facing another uh, a potential uh, sweep. And but it, you know, you really felt like um, after being competitive in games one and two, that uh, you know, in that backs to the wall situation like that, um, that this ball club was going to respond, and and they definitely did. Um, got an excellent start um, from Jake Hunter. And, you know, Jake ran into a little bit of trouble there in the fourth. His pitch count climbing on such a cool evening, so. Coach Godwin got him out of the game, but uh, he went three and a third shutout innings, obviously. Um, one hit, uh, three strikeouts, two walks on 64 pitches. And then you had Carter Spivey, four and a third, um, obviously shutout innings, two hits, um, seven strikeouts, no free passes on, on 62 pitches. Yeah. Um, you know, Jake Hunter looked good, just like he did last Sunday against Bryant. Uh, like you said, three and a third innings of work, only allowing one hit. His pitch count was up a little bit. And that was one thing we noticed. I mean, Coach O throughout the broadcast last night was everybody's velocity was down on our side. And obviously the weather had a lot to do with that, with it being a cold, damp night. But uh, Jake looked good. Um, excited to see him perform the rest of the year. Um, I think he's he's going to be – he's going to have an – unbelievable career in a pirate uniform the way he's looking right now. And then like we mentioned, Carter Spivey came out of the pen four and a third innings of work. And Carter Carter really proved last night that he's going to be a weapon out of our pen. Early on in the game, uh, when and you really had a field, I mean especially you know after the way Saturday's game, um not excellent conditions then either. Um but um you really had a feeling this was going to be a low-scoring game, more of a pitcher's duel. Um, probably, you know, where maybe some defensive miscues in the in the tough conditions may uh, be the difference. Um, there early on, that definitely was the case, and um, 
you looked at it early on. I mean, the, the Pirates um, did not have a hit for, what, at least three or four innings, but um, were able to capitalize on a few Tar Heel errors, um, and the Pirates pushed that first run across. I think it was, what, in the, the second inning uh, via a couple of Tar Heel errors and maybe uh, a wild pitch. Yeah. yeah, North Carolina defense did not play their best last night. Really had a, a struggle all weekend. Um, going back to that game Friday night, had a lot of plays that they could have closed that game out against the Pirates, but couldn't quite do it. And, uh, you know, you look at Chad and Peavy House, who started last night for North Carolina. He came out after three innings of work and didn't even give up a hit. Um, but their defense had so many errors that he had given up two runs, I believe. And, you know, that North Carolina bullpen, you know, is is really good. That's a really good pitching staff they have. And for the Pirates to – do what they did last night against them in that cold, damp air, which we thought was going to be a pitcher's duel, really showed that the Pirates were coming for a win last night and were not at all wanting to get a sweep. Yeah, to your point, as far as the Tar Heels play defensively, um, seven North Carolina airs in the series as opposed to just one for the Pirates. And like we already mentioned, um, not only did the Pirates um, um, play air-free baseball, in two games of that series, and they played air-free baseball against Campbell as well. Um, so hopefully that will continue uh, moving into this week because, um, as we'll discuss here in just a few minutes, um, some very tough competition awaiting East Carolina in this four-game week. But um, you know, on the offensive side, the Pirates had struck out 25 times in those first two games against North Carolina. But um, last night had some much more uh, competitive at-bats and um, cut that down to, to eight strikeouts, and then it was the Tar Heels striking out 13 times against the Pirate pitchers. Yeah, and like I said, you know, that, that North Carolina pitching staff was was really good over the weekend, and it showed keeping us at bay on offense. But you go back to last night, you know, they struggled offensively, but that's because we pitched the ball really, really good last night against them as well. Coming up big for the Pirates offensively again, uh, just five hits. Um, for the Tar Heels, they had they had four, um, but you know, Jacob Jenkins, Cowart, and then also uh, of course uh, the performance of Justin Wilcox. And um, each of those guys had two hits. They each had an extra base hit. Um, Jenkins, Cowart with the double and two RBIs, and then also uh, Wilcox and with a home run uh, after he had one. Um, and kind of taken away from him, if you will, even though it was the correct call on that walk-off against Bryant. Yeah, it was good to see Will Coxon have a good night last night. You know, I think he's really uh, certified himself as almost the everyday catcher for the Pirates so far. He's he's performed really well behind the plate, uh, and he's performed offensively well as well, and last night really showed that. You know um, – Talking to Coach O, uh, obviously he was not able to be there on uh, Saturday due to his duties as um, an administrator and um, being at the basketball game, as was I at Menji's. But, um, you know, what are some of the things that Coach O has had to say about this ball club through, through two weeks now? Coach O, you know, just like me, he's, he's really impressed with the pitching staff on this team and then the offensive side of things. You know, we're just, just ready to get things going. Um, and, you know, last night I think was a turn, was the turning point for this team. Uh, you know, Coach Gowan mentioned in his pregame interview yesterday for the broadcast that the team had a, 
little bit of a come to Jesus meeting uh, Saturday night when they got back from Chapel Hill. And uh, that, that team had a lot of, lot of energy last night at Clark Claire. And uh, just like, just like everybody else has said, you know, the offense has got to get going. And that's pretty, pretty much what coach O has said, but, We've both been very impressed with the pitching staff and uh, ready for this offense to kind of turn a corner and, and show them what they are capable of doing. Scott, you mentioned the energy last night and uh, looking ahead at the upcoming schedule and trying to get the bats going. You, we really need some positive momentum. Um, unfortunately, you have a daunting schedule this week with Duke, Indiana State, Michigan, and Maryland, uh, probably the two best teams in the Big Ten, plus quality ACC opponent, Indiana State of the Missouri Valley. Not a bad program, good conference too. Um, so, you know, it, it sure would be a lot easier to get momentum going, playing. You know, uh, hell, I don't know, pick a school, but it's it is what it is. This is the kind of competition we expect to play. We expect to be in regional, so we we expect to field um, in June, like we're going to see this weekend. Um, how important? I, I don't know if Coach Godwin's alluded to this in any conversation. How important does he think it is now, uh, coming off that UNC win, to try to capitalize and get some positive momentum over these next four games? Yeah, I would say he thinks it's very important. Um, you know, I think everybody would agree with that, actually. And, and you know, we start tomorrow at Duke. You know, as you mentioned, Duke, a quality ACC program, a super regional team, I believe, just last year, either the year before last. Uh, Chris Pollard has done a great job building that program in Durham. Uh, didn't realize getting some notes together for the game tomorrow. Didn't realize he had been there since 2013, I believe. Um, but he's done a, a tremendous job building a, that program at a school that really does not put a lot of emphasis on baseball from an outsider's perspective, it seems. Uh, but Duke, getting a win tomorrow, I think, would be a big, big momentum change for the Pirates. You know, you, you look at that, it's a road win. It's a power five win. And it's two in a row for your team as well. And I think if you combine all three of those, that's a big momentum shift for the Pirates. Yeah, and as far as the Blue Devils are concerned, uh, Coach Pollard and his staff, um, they've accomplished uh, unprecedented things. Um, they're in Durham uh, after so much success at App State, uh, you know, taking over a Duke program that had not been in the uh, NCAA tournament in an awfully long time, I think. And I think I have this right, uh, something like 45 or 50 years. And I know last year was the first time that they had won the, the ACC championship, or at least the tournament championship, in about that same amount of time as well, uh, w which obviously stacks up as far as um, the NCAA tournament berth. But uh, and, and to your point, as far as playing in Super Regionals, um, they had played in back-to-back -back Super Regionals last year after winning the ACC tournament. They did uh, fall in the Knoxville regional because, um, you know, of course the volunteers went on to Omaha, but uh, tremendous um, program. And um, this is the series um, that East Carolina has really dominated. Um, Duke did win in Durham, I guess it was back in 2019, but um, and the Pirates um, got the best of the Blue Devils last year in Greenville. Yeah. And like you said, the Pirates have kind of dominated this series over the past few years, but that's nothing to say about this Duke program. Uh, you know, they're a very good team. They're, they've started, I believe, they have a four and three record coming into tomorrow, but they're going to be hungry as well coming into that game. They look at us, you know, hey, Pirates have dominated this series. They're in our house. Let's go out there and be hungry. But you look at the Pirates, as I just said, 
there's three things hanging on you there. You go for a power five win, you go for a road win, and you go for an in-state win tomorrow as well. Oh, yeah. Do you think Godwin is talking about a power five win? I bet you those words have never come out of his mouth. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but it's I, a, I would, quality, yeah, I would guarantee it. Quality win is probably the words I should have said. There you go. But I don't uh, know about that. Power. I, I hate it in football, let alone baseball. Right. Oof. Power of five, group of five. I got five fingers. I'd like to put four of them down and flip somebody off. God almighty, power five is 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 the biggest bunch of the cartel five or the autonomous five or the crooked five. It's uh oof, give me on a damn soapbox here. I'll tell you what, I ah that, that we'll save that for college football time. <laughs> Again, pre- appreciate everyone. Um, tuning in tonight, I'm Mark Calloway, um, join us via YouTube. You know, let us hear the from Undertaker. <laughs> let us hear from you, Pirate fans, <laughs> as we're talking East Carolina baseball uh, for the next few minutes, uh, taking a look at what the Pirates have this week. And before we move on and talk about what what the Pirates have coming in uh, as far as the Keith Leclerc Classic, and we hope to catch up with Audrey Leclerc later in the week um, to discuss on um, this. Very special tournament that uh, dates back to, I guess, 2004 uh, at Harrington Field. But um, as far as Duke is concerned, and Blue Devils coming off a series loss over the weekend down in Waco uh, to the Baylor Bears, and they took two out of three on opening weekend from VMI, and then they won a midweek game uh, last week, uh, competitive contest against App State. So um, the Blue Devils are four and three. Yep. Yeah, and Baylor needed Baylor needed to get those wins. Uh, they uh, they they got did they get swept by Maryland the previous weekend? Yes, that's correct. So yeah, Baylor needed those wins over Duke. Yeah, Duke has looked. I believe Duke's, uh, which obviously we won't see him tomorrow, but I believe their ace Marcus Johnson is zero and two on the year with two Friday losses. Wow, and sometimes it's just matchups. I, I can't remember who did Duke open the season with. VMI, VMI. Okay, so uh, n- not a not a good not not a good performance against VMI, but uh, no shame in losing to Duke. Or excuse me, losing to Baylor. Uh, do we know who who Duke is throwing? Is that is that tomorrow night or Wednesday night, guys? It's it's tomorrow. What four p.m. Right, Scott? Yep, four o'clock. And I have not heard a starter yet from the Blue Devils. Okay, that's what I've not heard a starter from East Carolina as well. We'll be interested to see. We'll find out tomorrow night. Uh, we'll probably know the East Carolina starter before four o'clock. But uh, I wonder at what point we'll get to hear the Duke starter. Um, to me, this is, you know, you don't, I, you never want to put a lot on a midweek game in terms, of, except rivalry. And from uh, from an in-state standpoint, that's where these games against the ACC bragging rights, and we just like beating them. Um, you don't want to put a lot of pressure on a midweek game, but I think this is one we need to win. We. It, you know, digging a hole like we dug. First time we started off one and five since 1932. We're two and five now. Uh, if you can get to three and five, and then coming into this weekend, you have a chance to get back to 500 or better. Uh, you know, you, you could quickly change the um, the perception of this season. And, and you don't want to dig yourself. You know, everybody says, "Oh, it's 56 game schedule," blah blah blah, and all that's true. But you don't want to dig yourself in such a big hole. That you, you know you, you're 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 climbing out of it come conference time, just to try to scratch your way into a regional. You, you know you, you'd like to start stacking together wins now and quality wins, and you got an opportunity this week 
to get four of them. I mean, you, you, you could uh, you could really help your resume this week in a hurry. Yeah, and I, you know, like you said, you know, it is a, it is a long season. You know, we've had some struggles here early, and I think those struggles have kind of turned a corner. But like you said, a very good opportunity for the Pirates this week with for to get four quality wins on their schedule, especially this weekend. Speaking of this weekend, uh, you have Indiana State Sycamores coming in. Um, that that will be who the Pirates face on Friday, uh, starting the Keith LeClaire Classic. Uh, at Clark LeClaire, um, 4.30 first pitch against the Sycamores. You know, looking over Indiana State, uh, I know you're probably not uh, in that uh, mode just yet as far as prepping. Uh, you're more focused on the Blue Devils, Scott. But uh, looking over what the Sycamores have done, um, they're, of course, out of the Missouri Valley. And then you have um, Indiana State at 5-2. and two. Um, They have victories over BYU. Um, their two losses came against Ohio State following 9 – Nine to three and nine to eight to the Buckeyes in a, the Snowbird Classic down in Port Charlotte, Florida. Yeah, and Indiana State is a is a very good program. Uh, I believe back in 2019, um, if I'm mistaken, they were the team that almost upset Louisville. That would have gotten the Pirates a super regional that year. I could be mistaken there, but I believe that is who the Louisville regional came down to. It was Louisville and Indiana State. Uh, but it's, it's a program, you know, we're going to see their best guy with it being a Friday night. Um, they're going to be coming in hungry for a win. But uh, the Pirates, Pirates have got to play good. We got to hit the ball, pitch good, and do just like that. Just exactly what we did last night. Hit the ball good and keep pitching the ball well, and we should be fine. On Saturday, um, it will be, a, once again, a 4.30 first pitch against the Michigan Wolverines. And this one is one that um, – you know, as a Pirate fan, um, you really have circled them, I mean, not only because it's a tremendous opponent, but just from the standpoint when I say circled, I'm talking about from a fan's perspective because Michigan is, of course, uh, led by Eric Backich, and uh, he's assisted by Nick Schnabel. And so you have strong Pirate ties uh, in that Wolverines program, and they uh, here just, a, I guess, what, two or three seasons ago now played for a national title. Yep, and uh, it's like you said, it's going to be a very – I think it's going to be a very emotional game for uh, Coach Godwin and Coach Backage and Coach Schnabel, uh, all of them wearing number 23 in the LeClaire Classic. And uh, it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a very cool game from that aspect to see all three of those guys back on the field at Clark LeClaire again. But uh, I'm going I'm to quiz you guys here. I'm going to see if you can get this. Do you know what other – Special thing it is about East Carolina and Michigan on Saturday. Let's see. Other special thing about East Carolina and Michigan on Saturday is is it the um, is it the I guess what the seventeenth anniversary of the uh, you know play are we playing on the same date as we played the first game of the ballpark? Uh, not the same date, but it, I was gonna say it's the same game as the first okay. Clares when East Carolina and Michigan played. Because I just, uh, I, did, I just, I knew I didn't recall for sure about the date, but I knew that that was a later um, the first home game in the ballpark um, because some last minute things that were being done. So we spent the early part of that 05 season on the road. Yep, but like like I said, you know, that's the first game in Clark Claire, so it's going to be cool to see it from that aspect as well. But uh, Michigan, a good program, as we all know, like you just said, just a few years ago, making it all the way to the national title game. And uh, 
Eric, Coach Backage is going to have his club ready. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he holds off his uh, number one guy because we've seen that a lot in the LeClaire Classic. Teams will hold their number one back and save them for us on Saturday or Sunday. But uh, looking forward to that game as well. Uh, it's it's going to be very cool seeing Eric Backage and Cliff Godwin and Nick Schnabel on the same field at the same time. Yeah, of note, um, as far as Michigan is concerned, uh, they are 5-2 and two, like Indiana State is. Indiana State does not play in the midweek, uh, if I recall correctly. Michigan, however, um, the Wolverines, uh, after their 5-2 and two start, which includes victories over Kansas State, uh, also UT Arlington, Seton Hall, and then a, a pair of wins over FIU. Um, their losses came against Texas Tech and Oklahoma in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown out in Arlington, Texas. Uh, they have a two-game midweek series down at FAU, uh, so that's something to, uh, like you're saying, certainly take into consideration. I mean, I mean, obviously, um, they may not. That's not going to affect the, the starter, but uh, as far as who the, uh, you know, the relief arms that they have available, if uh, they have a couple of high-scoring games with FAU the way they did FIU. Right, and you know, it's it's also you know coming from a coaching's perspective, this is any team played in the LeClaire Classic, but especially Michigan, you're looking at scouting four different teams this weekend. You got to do FAU, you got to do East Carolina, you got to do Michigan, or you got to do Maryland, and you got to do Indiana State. That's a lot of teams to scout for one week of play, Um, and and that's just one more thing thrown into, as you said, managing your pitching for this week. And then on Sunday, uh, 3.30 first pitch against the Maryland Terrapins. Of course, the Terps were in last year's Greenville Regional. And, um, man, are they all to a hot start. Uh, I think they're 7-0 and now. And they are ranked uh, in the top 20 or 21, I think it is, that they are in uh, maybe D1 baseball. Yep. And it's like Kyle mentioned earlier, you know, they went out and swept Baylor. The start of the year uh, got a midweek win, I believe, against UMBC, and they swept Campbell this past weekend too. And Campbell, Campbell's got some really good starters in their starting rotation, and uh, Maryland did very well off of them on Friday and Saturday. But uh, seven and no team, Maryland. We saw last year they're a very good team in that Greenville Regional, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Terps play Sunday when they get to Greenville. Now, Scott, obviously, over these first couple of weekends, uh, you've had your plate uh, more than full, you know, preparing for um, the broadcast and so forth. But um, have you really had an opportunity to glance around the American um, and some of the things that are going on? I, th- I figured we'd discuss that uh, and take a look at uh, the results around the AAC on these first two weeks uh, since I did not take part in last week's program. And, um, and then also just maybe some of those – highlights around college baseball because there's certainly uh, been some eye-catching things. Yeah, going through the American, uh, right now your top two schools in the American are Tulane and UCF. I believe both of them are 6-1 and one at the moment. Tulane came off a series win against Louisiana Tech this past weekend, and Louisiana Tech are a really, really good club out of Conference USA. Uh, UCF 6-1, and one, they've been playing really good. I think they got a series win against Georgia Southern this past weekend, but uh, Memphis has been playing pretty good baseball as well. They're in South Florida sitting at four and two. Um, actually, as I pull up the American standings now that my internet works, uh, Houston four and three, Cincinnati two and three, East Carolina two and five, and then Wichita State 
two and six. But uh, I think two teams to watch as the year goes along is definitely going to be Tulane and UCF. And uh, I think South Florida and Memphis could be sleepers as well. Yeah, as far as UCF, um, very nice series win for the Knights going to Statesboro, Georgia. Um, Pirates saw last year um, what a challenging place that is to play, and they have a heck of an atmosphere. And then um, they went in there and won five to one on Friday, lost three to two in game two, and then won 10 to one in game three of that series um, to take the series. And uh, Wichita State, uh, after starting 0 and 6, um, they. And they had a very challenging schedule that, that featured a three-game series at La Tech that you referenced, uh, uh, how good La Tech is. And then uh, also at Oklahoma. But the Shockers have won two in a row um, with a, a win, 5-1 uh, to one over Pepperdine and also 8-7 to seven over Iowa. Yep. And, you know, I think it shows, you know, I think I, I personally thought that the American was going to kind of have a down year this year, just like last year in terms of, competition but right now you know it seems like we could have a pretty a wide open race um in the americans so i think it's going to be once again another fun conference season to watch and i tell you a team i really have my eye on within the league and that is the houston cougars uh, obviously a very tradition rich baseball program but they've been down the last couple seasons and uh, very interested to see how they do in 2022 um you take a look at houston they were very competitive, although they lost all three games on opening weekend. They were competitive in two of those three, losing 4-2 to two to Cal and 4-3 to three to San Diego State. TCU did um, blow them out 10 to nothing. But uh, but then this week, they or last week, I should say, they bounced back with a win at McNeese State, and then they beat Texas Southern, and then they uh, won a couple of games against you know, UTRTV. Um, so very, very interesting to see how Houston does this season. Yeah, it UT will be who? UT Rio Grande Valley, UT RGV. Okay, all right. Yeah, but uh, you know, Houston, I thought you said UT RG three. I was saying that's Baylor. Yeah, UT RGV, University yeah, of Texas true. Rio Grande Valley. Who in the hell is that? Go ahead, yeah, Scott. I'm sorry. Played him a few seasons ago in basketball, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Houston is a club, like you said, tradition-rich program. But uh, last year, if my memory serves me best, they had a lot of COVID issues last year in that program. I think they had a lot of games canceled last year, and if I remember correctly, too, I believe our series was canceled against Houston last year, but I could be wrong there. Uh, but like you said, a very tradition-rich program and a, pr- a program that has proven they can win games at a high level. I guess it was canceled. You are correct. We, we, we were supposed to play at you. And, and, and scrimmaged. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, exactly. We made it all the way up to Houston and scrimmaged ourselves. That's right. <laughs> right. And as you say that, that comes back exactly like you said. I remember that exactly now. Some of the things that uh, have caught my eye around college baseball and you're taking a look at more of the national picture, even though this is close to home, um, you know, as much as we don't uh, care for the NC State Wolfpack, you know, you got to tip your hat to uh, the start they've had, but um, especially the start of, um, as they are calling him, uh, and understandably so, Tommy Tanks, nine home runs uh, through the first, what, seven games? <laughs> Right. It is unbelievable what he's doing. And he's a freshman, too. 
for him to be playing in his first games in college and doing this is unbelievable. But, uh, you know, another thing that has caught my eye in college baseball, that, you know, we talk about, you know, it's a long season and anybody can win on any, any given day. Sacramento State saw this this morning. Swept Northern Illinois in a four-game series opening weekend. Played an NIA, NAIA school from Canada in a midweek contest in an exhibition and lost that game. Then they go to Long Beach State and sweep them in a three-game series. I think that, that right there is a perfect wow. example of college baseball where you can be at your best one day, lose to a not-so-good not program, and then go and beat one of the top teams in the country in a three-game series. Excellent point. Uh, yeah, I, I was not aware. Um, I was aware that Sacramento State um, moved into the polls. I was not aware of that. NAI, you know, quote, it never happened. Exhibition loss, but at the same time, um, man, uh, you know what a what a series win or series sweep, I should say, uh, over Long Beach State because Long Beach State went into Starkville and took two out of three from the defending national champions on opening weekend. Yep, and another good example there: Northern Kentucky went in Friday night to Starkville and beat Mississippi State as well. Oh, early struggles by uh, Mississippi State. That's uh, yeah, they're they're four and three yeah. right now. So interesting. So uh, yeah, uh, how about the University of Texas? I saw a stat. I don't recall exactly, but it was some something like forty in a fraction or forty one in a fraction uh, as far as the number of innings um, they had only allowed one earned run. That's, I mean, and that's how that's how North Carolina pitching was coming into the series against East Carolina. I think they had an ERA of one coming into Friday's game against the Pirates. Um, but it, it, Texas is a great program, obviously. Um, it's just, I think it's going to be a really fun college baseball season nationally. And you know, right now, it's we we talked about this last week. It's right now, it's the only baseball to follow, and I think a lot of people are going to have some eyes on college baseball in the coming weeks depending on what comes out of this Major League Baseball collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and don't want to look too far ahead, but, um, you know, as I was glancing at results from around the nation, uh, you know, we've talked about what a challenging schedule this is. Pirates always play a good schedule, but I really think that this one, will, when it's all said and done, will prove to be one of the tougher, uh, who knows, maybe the toughest that, that we've played in our history. But uh, you have some uh, – Really quality competition coming up. Um, you have a three-game series with St. Mary's College out of California in the West Coast Conference. You know, St. Mary's, we're um, off a tremendous start. And then you also um, you have College of Charleston uh, in a series down there in Charleston. You have Virginia Tech. Um, haven't, haven't played the toughest schedule, have the Hokies, but um, but, but uh, heard Coach O talking about he thinks they really have a solid club. Yep, and it's like you said, a very challenging schedule for the Pirates. Uh, you know, from a, being a fan of this program for so long, I'm, and now being in the radio position. Uh, hey, Scott, very, we, we've lost your uh, your service. So you, we can barely hear you. I don't know, maybe try. Is that better? Yes. Okay. Uh, what I was saying was being a fan of this program for so long, and uh, now being in the radio position, very, I'm very excited for the series, or not series, but midweek twip 
to uh, Virginia Tech next week. I think, you know, we haven't played Virginia Tech a lot to my memory in baseball. And uh, that they have a very nice, very nice facility up there in Blacksburg. Uh, I think they're 6-0 and right now, so they're going to be another good program on our schedule. And then you take that game. Next day you play Radford, which is pretty much right outside of Blacksburg, almost like a Winterville to a Greenville, uh, which Radford we've played in recent times, I believe. We opened the series with them a few years ago. Um, but that's that's going to be a fun trip for being spring break and get to play a really good program in Virginia Tech and have that experience up there. And, um, you know, uh, to your point as far as playing the Hokies and the Pirates and the Hokies uh, have not met much in baseball, at least in recent years. And, and last time I recall playing the Hokies, and this may, may not be correct, but uh, – you can tell me as you're preparing for the game. I think it was probably about 15 years ago they came in and uh, they were part of the Keith LeClaire Classic. Yep, uh, that, I think that is correct. That sounds correct. Uh, I don't know that for certain. But uh, like I said, looking forward to that trip up to Blacksburg next week during spring break. And as you mentioned, St. Mary's, a very good program as well, making the cross-country trip. And uh, it's going to be another, another tough week for the Pirates next week. But as Cliff Gowan said, you know, you can't, you cannot have a program play a week schedule and host regionals every single year. And that's what he's done every single year. He's been here. He's put together a tough schedule. And it's like you mentioned, you know, this is probably going to be one of the toughest schedules the Pirates have played. And coach Godwin said that media day, he said, this is the, he said, this is the toughest schedule that he has put together as the head coach for the Pirates. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, it's, one thing uh, we, we have failed to do uh, thus far, we referenced these individuals earlier, but uh, need to um, hand out our PGX gloves, player and pitcher of the week. And uh, for the player of the week, um, this was a consensus um, amongst us uh, here on the show. And, um, you know, I got your input earlier, Scott, and uh, we definitely agreed Then this year's – or this year, this week's player of the week is um, – None other than Hoove. Um, Hoove went seven for 17, uh, had that four-hit performance against North Carolina in game one on Friday. And, uh, again, seven for 17. Uh, also had a walk, three RBIs, and uh, three runs scored for Lane Hoover. Yep, and Lane had a great week this week. As we, as I mentioned, you know, he's just – he's one heck of a competitor. He goes out there and, and plays his butt off every single game, and that proved – this week and then our pgx pitcher of the week um carter spivey um had two appearances um saw that start um you know on the pitch count against campbell uh, went two innings against against um, the camels and then four and a third in game three against the tar heels four and a three four and a third sh- shutout innings two hits seven strikeouts no walks uh, for the week six and a third innings pitched um, no runs allowed and six hits, 10 strikeouts, and no walks. So um, terrific week for Carter Spivey, and uh, hopefully that will continue moving forward. Yep, pretty much exactly what you said. You know, he said he had a great week. Uh, good to see him with the work he had out of the pen and uh, excited to see him and show what he can do the rest of the season. Last season, he battled some injuries. Um, I know early on, uh, he was part of the rotation, if I recall correctly. And then and, you know, Carter had a had a blister. Um, and one of those things that 
you know, to someone who doesn't know that much about it and you're more of a casual fan, it doesn't sound like much, but when you're a pitcher and you have a blister on that, that's uh can really throw a wrench in things and uh, it's tough to grip the baseball, but, uh, you know, fingers crossed that uh, Carter Spivey um, will remain healthy and keep pitching the way he's pitching for the Pirates. But, um, you know, as we're beginning to wrap things up, Scott, um, want to once again thank our sponsor, um, title sponsor that is, and that is, of course, Next Level Training Center. Appreciate Trent and Gaynell Britt for all they do. And check them out at nextleveltc.com. And, um, you know, they have so much that they offer there at Next Level. And, tr- and tremendous um, cages, uh, weight room, uh, turf, and turf uh, area where you can, you know, you know, not only get field ground balls, but you know, get other work in as far as agility work and so forth. So uh, definitely go online to nextleveltc.com and check them out, or you can give them a call at 252-756-NEXT if you have a question about any of their camps or uh, things of that nature. Also, um, a shout out to Mark Minikazi, former Pirate third baseman. Uh, check out pgxgloves.com. I appreciate Kaz uh, sponsoring our um, player and pitchers of the week uh, throughout the season. Um, you know, if you see something there that you like, whether it's a custom baseball glove on uh, customized batting gloves or, um, you know, they have football gloves as well. You know, so, you, you know, if you are looking for a new pair of wide receiver gloves or DB gloves, you can go there and purchase those. Use promo code ECU and get 25% off your entire order. But, um, you know, Scott, before we wrap this up and get out of here, do you have anything else um, before we um, move into – Week three of East Carolina baseball. Nope. Just looking forward to a uh, exciting game tomorrow at Durham. Excited to be at the uh, Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Been there many times for games, but never been there, obviously, as a broadcaster. So looking at it from that standpoint, very excited. Uh, and then looking forward to this weekend as well with the Keep Declare Classic and bringing in three great programs in Indiana State, Michigan, and Maryland. No doubt. And as always, Scott, we really – Appreciate your time. Um, you know, folks, if, if you're a baseball fan, um, we have you covered right here on the Sports Objective. Extra innings all season long. It will typically be on Sunday night. Uh, last night's game ran to well after 10 o'clock. And uh, yeah, respecting uh, ourselves as well as Scott's schedule, being a student, um, definitely wanted to uh, postpone that to the day. But uh, it will typically be on Sunday evenings. Uh, moving forward as you, know, you normally have a Sunday afternoon game. And again, uh, that's presented by Next Level Training Center. Um, and you can find us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Also like and follow us on Facebook. And um, follow us on Twitter as well at the Sports OBJ. But for the play-by-play voice of East Carolina baseball, Scott Rogers, Kyle Barber, Dave Richmond, and everyone here at the Sports Objective, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And as always, go Pirates. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!